Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy. Available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pegnata, with you guys as always today, riding solo to get you ready for the game against the Pittsburgh Panthers. Uh, Josh Marlowe really wished that he could be here, but uh, he is up in the mountains uh, with his family getting prepared for tomorrow's game. I was supposed to be uh, going to the game tomorrow as well. Um, but unfortunately, I am going to have to sit this one out due to, um, you know, some some recent uh, struggles with mental health. Um, I'm doing my best, guys, to try to power through this. And, you know, I, I, I really hope that you guys are going to stick through with us here. Um, I'm going to do my best. Uh, me and Josh are going to do our best to try to balance this uh, here on the website and on the podcast side of things, but uh, yeah, not gonna lie, man, it has been uh, it has been a little bit tough. Um, I got into a car accident uh, about a week and a half ago now. Um, that has really set me back, um, and I am doing my best to try to power through this uh, tough time and get you know back to where I was, back to. Uh, the person that I was and um, the, the the guy that have been giving you all this great coverage of Tar Heel football and, and helping out, um, you know, on the Tar Heel basketball side of things and being a part of the Tar Heel, uh, you know, of, of the Four Corners podcast and everything like that. So uh, we really hope that you guys are, you know, sticking through with us at this time and just know that uh, we're doing our best, man. We, we, we've been balancing a lot of stuff with work too and uh, that's definitely uh, – 
probably taken a toll a little bit as well. Um, but, you know, it's just part of life. And it's something that, you know, we're going to get through. Um, and we hope that you guys are here uh, through th this journey with us. Um, you know, I, I, I was wanting to do a little more bi-week coverage as well. was really wanting to have Isaac Shade on, who I've been, uh, you know, blessed to be on the, uh, the Locked On Tar Heels podcast with uh, throughout the year so far this year. But uh, unfortunately, um, you know, with everything that was going on, I wasn't able to get him on. But we're going to do that at some point. We're going to get him on here to talk to you guys um, about his thoughts on this Tar Heel football team and everything like that. Return the favor uh, that he has been so gracious to put on us so far this year. So uh, we, we do really appreciate you guys sticking with us during this time. Um, and we really do hope that you guys are uh, still enjoying the content that we are putting out there for you guys. Um, I'm, I'm hoping, you know, I'm, I'm excited for tomorrow. I think Carolina's got a really good opportunity uh, to come out there and get another big win against a team in the Coastal that they are going to have to navigate if they do end up wanting to uh, win the, the ACC Coastal ultimately and end up in Charlotte. Uh, but uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, you know, hopefully that'll be a, a little... A relief for me there to be able to watch the team uh, potentially pull one out. Um, and it should be another really good one tomorrow in Keenan Stadium. And that's what we're going to get into today. I am going to take you uh, through this one solo here. So it'll be a little bit of a quicker version of the podcast. But uh, still, we hope you guys enjoy the ride along the way. Uh, so the Tar Heels coming in. They have lost two straight, both in overtime to Pittsburgh after winning the previous six against them all under the direction of then-head coach Larry Fedora. Um, of course, the majority of those, I believe five of those, uh, came after the team Pittsburgh came over from the, uh, fr from the Big East and entered the ACC. And man, uh, Carolina, you know, was was dominating them for a long time, even with some of their best players. You're talking about a time where they did have James Conner on campus at one time, uh, who was, uh, you know, a, a better college player than he is an NFL player, and he's a pretty solid NFL player. Of course, you guys know everything that he had that went on uh, with him, you know, in terms of uh, his cancer and everything like that. But before then, and even after then, was an extremely powerful player that the Tar Heels uh, were able to slow down a, a few times. They did let, have one game uh, in Chapel Hill where he did go pretty nuts, but Carolina did end up holding on to win that game. And then, of course, Aaron Donald. Carolina faced Aaron Donald a couple of times as well and uh, did a pretty good job against him, allowing uh, for the Tar Heel offenses to have some pretty good success. But now... Carolina's got to find a way to sort of rid themselves of the problems that they've had against this team under Mac Brown. Now, again, they've only played them twice. It is a little weird. You're saying, how do, have they played an ACC Coastal opponent only twice? Well, remember that back in 2020, this was the one team from the ACC Coastal, them and Georgia Tech, actually, that Carolina did not play back in that 2020 season. Uh, Carolina's schedule was was switched up because of everything that was going on uh, with COVID. And so Carolina did not play Pittsburgh during that season. And that is the reason why it is only two straight losses to this team. But it's a weird stat because it's two straight losses to this team. And both of them for Carolina have uh, come in overtime. Uh, of course, last year, 
Uh, Carolina, you know, everybody remembers what happened to Carolina last year. They had a chance to uh, score the game-winning touchdown. It was second and goal uh, from inside the one, but Carolina takes a penalty, a full-star penalty from Joshua Zudu. It backs him up. Carolina ends up having to kick the field goal, sends it to overtime. Uh, Pittsburgh drives and scores, and then literally right after Pittsburgh drives and scores, the skies open up completely, uh, and Carolina just had nothing. They they were in just a downpouring rain, uh, a passing game that had really worked to that point. Really didn't have anything left uh, because of every because of the elements, and Carolina pretty much just had to settle for uh, the overtime loss in that one. And then, you know, prior to that, back in 2019, that one also in Heinz Field. Uh, Carolina loses it in overtime. Kenny Pickett, huge day, 359 yards against the Tar Heels in that one. And, of course, they fall in the first overtime period on a three-yard touchdown run from Kenny Pickett. So Carolina hasn't had the best luck against this Pittsburgh team, but they are looking to change that. Uh, here on Saturday night in Keenan Stadium. It'll also be the first time that Carolina has hosted Pitt in Keenan Stadium since 2018. So uh, that's the other weird part of this is that with that 2020 game getting removed out of there, they did not adjust that on the back end. So Carolina had to go back to Heinz Field uh, last year and uh, now they, they will be able to welcome Pittsburgh to their place. That is huge for Carolina against what is one of their biggest and toughest tests uh, in the ACC Coastal that does remain. Now one other thing that Carolina is trying to shake off during this time is their lack of success after bye weeks. Carolina has lost five straight games after bye weeks since Mac Brown's return to Chapel Hill. They have not won uh, after a bye week since Mac Brown has been back on campus. Now, the thing is, is that three of those losses have come to Notre Dame. That's one of those weird scheduling quirks where Carolina has had two weeks to prepare for Notre Dame three separate times and hasn't worked out in Carolina's favor any of those three times. So uh, maybe it is, you know, something that is just a, a Notre Dame thing. I know there's two other losses in there for Carolina uh, that, you know, people will will still look at, but I mean, look, I think for Carolina, it's it's really all about that they have to shake that off. You know, they've been a team that has struggled after bye weeks. They know that. There's no way that they don't know that stat, but it's something that they've got to be able to put behind them and really use to their advantage and say, look, people are probably not going to expect us to win this game because of the struggles that we have had coming off of bye weeks. We've had the extra time to prepare for a Pittsburgh team that we know we need the extra time to prepare for. This has given us a chance to get healthy, which we've needed as well. So I think Carolina just has to try to turn this into a good thing. It can be a bad thing because they've had the lack of success, but I think that Carolina, you know, overall is, you know, still a team that right now, you know, should should feel confident in themselves and shouldn't worry about these types of statistics that are there because look this is a different you know this is a team that nobody thought would be six and one at this point in the season and that's something that I've hammered home on this podcast so often here over the last couple of weeks is that nobody really saw this team being where they are at especially after that game against Notre Dame 
And this is a chance to come out and sort of avenge that and end this streak. And look, you know, you go back. Look, Pittsburgh was one of those losses, too. That was actually uh, the second of the losses uh, was Pittsburgh after a bye week, the 34-27 loss back in 2019. Uh, also had that that crazy six-overtime loss in Mac Brown's first season at Virginia Tech that came after the bye week. So Carolina has had some weird games that have happened after the bye week. So they've had some tough games, of course, against Notre Dame. And then the other two have been very strange games where Carolina had a chance to walk away with a victory and just did not pull it out. So we'll see what Carolina can do on Saturday night in Keenan Stadium. Uh, the good news is, you know, with this game being at home, um, look, the the three of those losses that we talked about after buys have come on the road, and the only two that did not come on the road did come at home. Uh, and, of course, if you go back to that 2020 season, I really don't think the 31-17 loss to Notre Dame is something that people should really be all that upset about. Remember that that was a Notre Dame team that went on to the college football playoff, was probably one of the better program uh, teams that the program has had uh, in recent memory. So I think that was one that you probably say, okay, that one makes a little bit of sense. But the other ones, you know, Carolina probably felt they had a legitimate chance to win just about every one of those games. And I think the most dejecting was the last one against Notre Dame. We'll see how Carolina bounces back. Well, looking at this Pittsburgh team, you know, this is a team in Pittsburgh that had a lot of expectations coming into the season. Their one loss early in the year was to Tennessee, and it was a hard-fought game. It was a game that, just like the game a year ago for Pittsburgh against Tennessee, they had a chance to win late, but they just weren't able to find a way to pull it out. But since then, this is a team that has sort of fallen apart a little bit after starting the year ranked inside of the top 25 at number 17. Uh, they have lost to Georgia Tech um, at home, a game that you know I think a lot of people at the time were saying was a really, really bad loss. I think as we've seen since then, uh, look, the firing of Jeff Collins, whether you like Jeff Collins or not, uh, it seems like that was the right move for Georgia Tech. It has sort of boosted their program. I know they lost this past weekend, but that was without their starting quarterback, Jeff Sims, who will likely probably be out again this weekend. So uh, it's going to be, you know, that that's going to be a team that over the next couple of weeks may not look the part of the team that beat Pittsburgh just a few weeks ago. But th that was a, you know, th that was a team that was, especially in that week, coming off of firing Jeff Collins, looked pretty motivated. Still, that's a game that Pittsburgh should not have lost with the talent that they have, especially in their backfield and at quarterback. And it's one that I think a lot of Pittsburgh fans are probably still upset with to this point. Meanwhile, then you go to, to last week. They, of course, find a way to win the game against Virginia Tech in between that, uh, thanks to a historic performance from their running back, Israel Abanaconda, who we'll talk a little bit more about here in just a second. But then that game against Louisville last week, on the road, I get it. It was a, it was a game that Scott Satterfield and Louisville really needed. But they get beat 24 to 10. Really didn't show much signs of life at all in that game. Louisville does a tremendous job uh, against the passing game of Pittsburgh, allowing just 159 yards, turning Keaton Slovis over twice, forcing him into those mistakes. 
uh, that Carolina will have to force them into if they want to win this game. Israel Abanaconda, pretty good in the game. 28 carries, 129 yards, but that averaged out to just 4.6 yards per carry. But ultimately... This was a Louisville team who made the plays defensively when they needed to to create turnovers. That'll be a part of the recipe for Carolina to do the same in this one on Saturday. Uh, you look at this offense for Pittsburgh. This is a team that comes in averaging 31.4 points per game, 415.6 yards of total offense, 226.1 passing yards per game, and 189.4 rushing yards per game. As I mentioned, Keaton Slovis coming off of one of his worst games of the season, but he is a guy that so far this year has not looked great, not as great as it looked like he could look coming out of the gate uh, to start the season. Uh, he has just uh, he has completed 60.5% of his passes for, for 1,325 yards, five touchdowns, and five interceptions. So he has struggled a little bit. Now, he has been banged up at times. He got injured in that game against Tennessee. Of course, Nick Patty, the backup to him, got injured in that same game as well, meaning that Nate Yarnell uh, had to take snaps at points this season for them. But Slovis is going to be the guy in this game. He is a guy that uh, is still looking to sort of get back on track. But look, Carolina has had a couple of those quarterbacks that have rolled in there, uh, most notably Drew Pine, Grant Wells, uh, Tyler Van Dyke. Really, Carolina's faced a bunch of those guys throughout the season, and the majority of them have had success. Carolina did a good job against uh, Grant Wells of slowing him down, but Carolina really did struggle. They let up the most yards uh, passing uh, to Tyler Van Dyke of his entire career. Um, he had a career day in that one and then turned around and struggled uh, this past weekend against Virginia Tech. So uh, Carolina's got to be able to provide some resistance to the passing game of Pittsburgh in this one. Of course, the guy that everybody is going to be talking about and the one that most people are going to be keeping an eye on in this game is Israel Abanaconda, the starting running back for the Panthers. Uh, 157 carries so far this year. He's turned that into 959 yards on the ground. Also has 13 touchdowns so far this season. Seven catches, 109 yards out of the backfield. It's not a huge receiving threat. Most of the damage is done on the ground. He is spelled by Vincent Davis. 43 carries, 239 yards. And also Rodney Hampton Jr., who saw some action last week uh, against Pittsburgh, uh, against uh, Louisville, excuse me. Uh, 112 yards. And two touchdowns on the ground for him so far this season. In terms of the receivers on this team, not quite as dynamic as a year ago. Although when you lose a guy like Jordan Addison, it is going to be tough to replace him. Jared Wayne, though, leads the group and is a dangerous guy. 25 catches, 411 yards, and a touchdown so far this season. You got Keonta Mumfield, who's had a pretty good year as well. 26 catches, 267 yards, and a touchdown. But the guy that Carolina fans will probably be keeping their eye on the most in this game is tight end Gavin Bartholomew. 16 catches, 253 yards, and two touchdowns. Carolina has really struggled against tight ends so far this year. We've seen that, especially going back to that game 
after their first bye week of the season against Michael Mayer and Notre Dame. We'll see if Carolina can handle Gavin Bartholomew and the uh, tight end group of Pittsburgh a little bit better in this one. In terms of their offensive line unit, uh, this is a group that uh, you know has done pretty solid this year. Um, not quite as dominant, I think, as some people thought that they were going to be heading into the season, but it is still a, a group that has been pretty good so far this year. I mean, they've allowed 15 sacks so far to start the season. Uh, and in terms of tackles for loss, they are still middle of the country. But this is a team that Carolina's got to be ready for a physical game against because they have brought it to them the last couple of years. Now you flip over to the other side of the ball. And look, this defensive line group was one of the most touted groups in the entire country heading into the season. And why wouldn't it be when you got the types of guys that they brought back from a year ago from a group that was one of the best in the entire country all season long? Still inside of the top 25 in terms of uh, guys that can, uh, in terms of getting to the quarterback with sacks this year, uh, they have still found a way to rack up 21 sacks so far this season. Even with their star guy from a year ago, Habakkuk, Baldonado not really playing as well I think as some people thought he was going to be able to play this year up front for them they have done a really good job of being able to find other guys to supplement that production especially when it comes to the interior of that defensive line where they've had uh, a guy that has really broken out for them in uh, Kalaja Kansi um, so far this year eight and a half tackles for loss three sacks this year for Kansi, so he has been uh, tremendous, and that has sort of picked up uh, some of the struggles elsewhere for this group. Also, guys like David Green, who has had a good year uh, at the defensive tackle spot. Devin Danielson also in there, so definitely some guys that Carolina has to be aware of on the front line for an offensive line. There's been a little up and down over the past couple of weeks. Uh, and, and then you go to the second level, uh, man, they, they've got a guy there, uh, Savossier Dennis, who has been tremendous so far this year. Uh, 50 total tackles leads the team, seven tackles for loss and five sacks. And man, uh, you talk about a guy that they have really used. He's a middle linebacker, but they have used on a lot of blitzes. This is one of the things that Carolina has got to be aware of coming into this game is that you are going to see a lot of Savossier uh, Dennis uh, coming after you. You have to be able to get the ball out quick or be able to at least step up into the pocket and avoid some of that pressure because that is one of the things that has hurt Carolina. Hurt him against Duke. Duke sent a lot of pressure on the Tar Heel, uh, on the Tar Heel passing game, and you could see throughout the game uh, led to the most pressures that Carolina has allowed on the quarterback this entire season. And you could see throughout the game how it was hurting Carolina a little bit. So we'll have to see uh, how Carolina adjusts to that in this one. On the back end of this defense, Eric Hallett is the guy to watch there. Uh, he has had a tremendous season for, uh, for Pittsburgh so far this season. Three interceptions leads the team out of the free safety spot. Uh, they are a team that has always seemed to produce some really strong safeties out there. But this is still a group that is allowing over 200 yards per game uh, through the air. Uh, still a group that I think Carolina, uh, if they're going to win, they have to be able to attack 
this passing game, but uh, it will be a challenge with everything that they are going to throw Carolina's way. So let's take a look at the Tar Heel storylines for this game. And of course, the big thing is, is can Carolina solve those post-bye week and Pittsburgh woes under Mac Brown? And look, the streaks are there so far. I think, you know, the post-bye week one is probably the more concerning of the two because you do have five games to go off of as opposed to just two games against Pittsburgh teams uh, that have been pretty pretty good. I mean, that 2019 team, that was one that Carolina, I think, wanted to get. But remember that Carolina, at that time, still building in year one under Mac Brown. This one is going to be key, though, for Carolina. They have to be able to take down this Pittsburgh team that is struggling at this point in the season. Uh, and right now, Carolina is the better football team. If they win this game, you would imagine uh, they have that stranglehold on the Coastal, and that could really give them some breathing room here going into the final four weeks of the season, all of which are conference games. That's the thing. It's not like you have that one game at the back end of the schedule like the last couple of years uh, that would uh, sort of limit the amount of conference games that you play, would lessen it uh, by one. No, this is Carolina, the final five games of the year. It's five conference games. So Carolina has to be able to take care of business uh, if they want to be able to stay in first place. Um but, you know, you look at the post-bye week stuff, again, I mentioned it earlier. I think it's something that Carolina is just going to kind of say, look, this has been a problem for us before, uh, but when is a better time to end it than now? Um, and there should be tons of motivation to do that. Uh, look, this is, you know, a team that is buzzing right now. They are feeling good about themselves. They're going to be about as healthy as they've been all season long outside of a couple of season-ending injuries. It seems like just about everybody else is going to be able to play. So you're going to be about as healthy as you're going to get here over these final few couple of weeks. Let's see what Carolina can do with that. Um, and, and let's see if the momentum feeds in from you know their, the, the, the last two losses against Pittsburgh. That, that should serve as momentum for this team to be able to finally reverse this result and make those plays late in the game that Mac Brown has talked about so much this week that Carolina has not been able to make and Pittsburgh has been able to make in those last two meetings. Uh, you look at the offensive side of the ball, I think, you know, look, can the offense remain hot? Uh, it has to in order for this team to be able to win games, man. When this offense has been on, Carolina has been able to run away from a couple of opponents. But the thing is, is that, look, in this game, I, I think Carolina's offense has to be there because I would be shocked if Pittsburgh does not put up points in this game. The Panthers still a pretty lethal offense, as I mentioned, averaging 31.4 a game. I know they only scored 10 against Louisville, but right now this Tar Heel defense is not proving to be one that is going to give any team uh, the sort of test that some of these other teams they have faced so far this year are. Uh, this is an offense right now, or this is a defense right now that ranks uh, right near the bottom of the country in terms of just about every category. So your offense needs to be outstanding. You have a feeling that with a quarterback like Drake May, who is in the Heisman race and who a lot of people feel like is, is one of the better quarterbacks in the entire country, combined with a group of receivers that have, has been outstanding so far this year, Josh Downs 
has picked up right where he left off coming off the injury. Uh, he looks really, really good. His receiving numbers are not going to be as crazy as they were a year ago, but you wouldn't really expect that with him having missed two games. He still has been really, really strong. And it, at the same time, Carolina has still spread the ball around pretty well. You've got uh, two guys that have been really good deep threats on the outside and both Antoine Green and J.J. Jones. You've got the tight end position that has provided a lot of uh, a, a lot of help as well this year after you know year after year hearing how they were going to break out. Well, we're finally seeing it. Bryson Nesbitt has looked really good so far this year. Kamari Morales uh, has you know found the end zone four more times this year to become the first Tar Heel uh, tight end to reach double-digit uh, touchdowns in his career receiving. Um, so this is a guy that has you know done a lot for him. And then John Copenhaver at times has stepped up as well. So the three tight end grouping that Carolina has been using this year has been huge. You wonder if Carolina will look to use that again in this one, especially if uh, Pittsburgh is wanting to get more aggressive, being able to get that ball out quickly to the tight ends could be very, very helpful. Um, on the offensive line, you know, that's, that's I think, the biggest question mark with this offense right now is the offensive line, but still a strength. Look, they get William Barnes back. I think that's huge. I know that, uh, you know, Jonathan Adorno didn't grade out terribly in the game against Duke, but just having a guy like William Barnes, who's been a steadying senior presence up there, I think is going to be important for this team. And then you combine it with the rest of this group, man. Awesome Richards is having a tremendous year uh, anchoring this offensive line over at the left tackle spot. Has not allowed a sack so far this year. You've got Corey Gaynor, who, you know, the last two weeks have not been great for him, but I think he's a guy that is going to be able to respond to that here down the stretch. And then you've got uh, Spencer Rolland, who since he has come back from his injury, uh, against Georgia State has looked pretty good at right tackle for Carolina. So uh, I, I think this offensive line group has been solid. They've had their moments, but I still think that a lot of it is the fact that teams are sending a lot of blitzes, uh, that you haven't had a guy like DJ Jones who is going to return in this game back there to help you pass protect from the running back standpoint because some of the other running backs just not there yet in terms of pass protection. So we'll see what Carolina can do with that in this game as they will have to be prepared for a heavy dose of blitzing from the Pittsburgh Panthers. Uh, defensively, uh, you know, the, one of the big storylines here is can they bounce back from that rough performance against Duke? And look, I think it all starts really up front. Uh, can Carolina find a way to be able to win the line of scrimmage? This offensive line for Pittsburgh has not been as good as people thought it was going to be, and Carolina has to be able to take advantage of it. They haven't done it much this year. They have not been great this year uh, in any stretch, really. They had the game against, uh, against Miami where they looked solid, but really outside of that, they have not been all that great at all this year. Can Carolina finally find a way to shake that off and get a good performance from that defensive line? Can they f find somebody that can step up in there? I want to see more rotation up front if guys are not producing. Um, I, I, I thought they went back to uh, just not using enough of it against Duke, just using a lot of the same guys. Um, go back to Jacoby Cowan. Go back to more uh, of Travis Shaw. Let's see some of these younger guys out there 
uh, that can step up if some of these guys on the defensive line uh, that are veterans are not performing up to snuff. And for the guys that are veterans, it's time to see you step up. We need to see a guy like Miles Murphy take a step forward. You need to see Dez Evans finally break out for Carolina. Um, and you need to see a guy like Kevin Hester take on that starting role that he is taking over from Ray Vowasik in stride and really be able to start making a difference in there. He showed some good things against Miami, kind of disappeared a little bit against Duke. You need him to be a little more consistent up front for you. And then on the back end of the defense, Carolina's got to find uh, something, uh, especially from those safeties. They've got to find guys that can be able to tackle in space. Again, it's probably going to be a lot of Cameron Kelly and Geo Biggers back there. Hopefully we can see a little bit of Jacorius Conley here, you would think. I know they've been trying to work him back in slowly. Hopefully the bye week has allowed him to sort of ramp it up a little bit, and maybe we could see him out there at some point. Don Chapman also returning to the lineup is going to be huge for Carolina. Uh, they were using him a little bit as a rotational guy early in the season, of course, uh, before you know the off-the-field stuff happened. He came back. Then he gets banged up, so hopefully Carolina will have him at their dispense to use in this game against uh, Pittsburgh as they try to slow down uh, the passing game. And, and, and that's ultimately something uh, that I think Carolina's got to uh, be able to do in this game because you would think that the, run, the running game is going to be able to have some success. It's what can Carolina do to oppose that. Um, in the passing game? Can they create the turnovers that Louisville did a week ago? Can they sort of follow at least a similar-ish performance to what they did against Miami? Maybe not allow as many yards through the air, but at least to be able to create those turnovers when they need to uh, in order to pull out the victory in this one. So uh, we're going to take a quick break, uh, give you this week's ad from DraftKings, and then when we come back, I will give you my keys to the game and the predictions from both me and Josh Marlowe, and we'll get you out of here from this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast back right after this. Your kicker's lining up for an onside kick. The chances of regaining possession are slim. The stakes are high and the tension is higher. Your pulse is racing. He kicks and you watch as the ball lands. Make every play feel this exciting with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL and their unbeatable offers. Right now, new customers can make any $5 NFL bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Maybe you want to bet on one of your favorite Tar Heel players. Maybe you like Michael Carter and his matchup for the Jets that week. Or maybe you want to bet on the total number of tackles that Cole Holcomb will have in a game. You can do all that on DraftKings Sportsbook. To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TPPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Just place a $5 bet on any football game only at DraftKings Sportsbook using the promo code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. There are plenty of ways to find out everything that you need to know about Tar Heel football and basketball. Just go to Facebook, search at Heel Tough Blog, and find the Heel Tough Blog Facebook page and like it. When you do everything, the articles, the podcast, 
all in one central location on your timeline. Not a big Facebook user? Head over to Twitter, at HeelToughBlog on Twitter. Make sure you give it a follow, and you can follow the personal pages of our talents here at the Heel Tough Blog at HTB Anthony for Anthony Pagnata, myself at HTB underscore Josh for Josh Marlowe, and at HackZubber2 for our recruiting analyst, Zach Hubbard. Hey guys, welcome back in. Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Anthony Pagnata here with you guys riding solo tonight. Let's get to the keys to the game for the game against the Pittsburgh Panthers. And again, it starts with limiting uh, Israel Abanaconda. And again, He's a guy that, look, last week had 129 yards on the ground. It's just not letting him go as nuts as he has at some points this season. You can't give up as many yards as you have. Look, Carolina, they have two games so far this year. The last game against Duke allowed 297 yards on the ground. The previous, uh, you know, the game uh, that we were talking about coming off the bye week earlier this year against Notre Dame, they allowed 287 yards on the ground. Carolina's got to avoid that type of day against this Pittsburgh running game, and especially to Israel Abanaconda, who has just been tremendous so far this season. I know the focus you know, it, for the linebackers is going to be on him, and that's where you need some of the other guys to be able to step up on the back end of this defense if Pittsburgh starts to go pass-heavy. But really, you want to make them get into that mindset because they have not really won a game so far this year outside of maybe their season opener against West Virginia in a game where they have had to go air raid type, uh, in an air raid type offense. It just hasn't been there for him. So hopefully, uh, if you're Carolina, you load the box, you find a way to slow down a Banaconda and make them beat you through the air. Uh, the second key to the game is, look, score, score, and score some more. This was one that had been up there for a while. It had disappeared for a little bit because Carolina's defense was playing better. But look, la- you know, the last game against Duke kind of showed you everything that you need to know about this Tar Heel team. Uh, They are not a team that is going to be at least consistent enough defensively to give you confidence going into games that they are going to make stops, that they are going to consistently be able to stop the team on the other side. So you've got to be able to score and put yourself at at the advantage like they did against Duke. They had to score late. They did. Uh, They had to score multiple other times throughout that game. And they did, and they've been faced with that scenario so far this year many, many times. They're going to be faced with it again, probably in this game against a Pittsburgh team that is still scoring the ball well. So I think that Carolina has to be able to score points in this game if they want to win. I would say, again, you got to reach probably that 35-point mark if you want to win this game. So this needs to be another really successful day offensively for the Tar Heels. And then the big thing is, this is something Mac Brown has talked about here throughout the week, and I, I think it is really spot on when it comes to this matchup over the last couple of years, and it's that Carolina has to be able to make the plays late, and that you know means look taking care of you know the little things. You, last year, as I mentioned, the false start from Joshua Zudu that backed you up that prevented you from being able to win the game in regulation. Those are the types of things that you have to be able 
to, uh, to, to take away. But also, at the same time, you've got to be able to make the plays when they are there late in games. Carolina's had that chance over the last few years to be able to make those plays to end the game. They haven't been able to do it. They've got to do it on Saturday night because you would imagine this is going to be another close one late between these two teams. It should be another track meet. So Carolina, when it comes down to it, they've done it throughout the year. Uh, they've been able to make those plays late in games, uh, especially you know in some of these road games. Will they be able to make the plays in their own stadium against a Pittsburgh team that should be right in the thick of this game as well. Uh, so uh, the predictions for this game, we'll start with Josh Marlowe's. He texted this in to me just a little while ago. He has Carolina winning 45-41 to advance to 7-1 on the season. And that's kind of where I'm at. You know, I think this is going to be a track me type of game. I don't know if I see it as high scoring but I do think that Carolina, as I mentioned, has to reach that 35-point mark. I have Carolina winning it 38-31 to over Pittsburgh. And look, guys, this is one of those ones where Carolina just has to be able to put up points. I know that they are going to have to find ways to get some key stops late. And I feel like it is going to be one of those types of games. I mentioned it earlier in the year. I thought this team felt a lot like a Larry Fedora team. These are the type, this week, I feel like we are going to get a game uh, that is going to be very similar to a Larry Fedora era type of game. I think you're going to see a game where Carolina will have to make some key stops in the fourth quarter. I think they do. I think they find a way to advance to 7-1 on the season and get to 4-0 in the ACC. And more importantly, 4-0 against divisional opponents, uh, which would put them firmly in the driver's seat in the ACC Coastal and give them a heck of a chance to get to the ACC championship game at the end of the season. So that is going to wrap it up for this edition of the podcast. Again, guys, if you didn't hear at the start, please go back and listen to the start of the podcast. Uh, I sort of tell you guys why things have been a little haywire here over uh, this last week or so. Um, so please go back and check that out. That would mean uh, the world to me uh, if you guys could do that. And again, please just bear with us. We are trying our best through this time. It is definitely tough. And look, if there is anybody uh, that is willing uh, to come and help uh, out and, and is wanting to write about the football team uh, as well as maybe a little bit about the basketball team, please reach out. We would greatly appreciate it. Um, we would love to get you on. Uh, this is you know something that we've been wanting to do uh, for a while now anyways is to get more help in here, but especially now uh, we would love to have you guys come on and help us uh, while you know, we're going through everything that we're going through. So uh, make sure you head over to the website, HealToughBlog.com. Uh, we do have a preview up there. Josh was able to write that, which I am uh, extremely grateful for him uh, for being able to get that up. Uh, he did a tremendous job on that, so make sure you guys go and check that out. Also, uh, if you could, make sure that you check out all the post-game stuff that we'll have for you. We'll have the recap of the game. I will give you the biggest takeaways uh, that I have from the game watching it tomorrow night. Um, that'll be up on Sunday. Make sure that you guys also check out the stock report when it comes out later in the week, the trench report, uh, Ashton's analysis, and then of course the, uh, press conference takeaways, which will come out on Monday when Mac Brown meets 
with the media. In terms of the basketball side of things, Josh is going to have you covered with everything from the exhibition game against Johnson C. Smith. Uh, the Carolina won earlier tonight. A tremendous performance uh, from a team. I know, I, I get it. It's against the Johnson C. Smith team that you would expect Carolina to be able to handle relatively easily, but uh, just a an outstanding performance and one that I think should give people a lot of confidence in this Tar Heel basketball team moving forward. So Josh has you covered over there on the website uh, with everything that you need to know from the 101 to 40 win over the Johnson C. Smith Bulls. So, uh, Golden Bulls, excuse me. I should know that being from Charlotte that it is the Golden Bulls, but he has that for you over there on the website. So that wraps up for this edition of the podcast. Uh, once again, want to thank you guys for listening, and as always, go Tarius! Hey guys, Anthony here. We want to thank you guys for listening to this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. If you could, make sure you head over to wherever you listen to your podcast, find out where you can rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, and go ahead and do that for us. The rating and reviewing, that helps us to move up some of those rankings, and the subscribing, that is for you, so you don't miss any editions of the podcast coming up. We look forward to you being a part of the Heel Tough Blog podcast family moving forward, and thank you once again for listening to this edition.